Hello, friends. It's October 25th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast, where we daily read through the scriptures, taking in spiritual insights from each day's portion from both the Old and New Testaments, as we make our way through all 66 books of the Bible in a year. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and your reading companion and tour guide. Because we have so many sites to take in today, we must get started right away if we're to contain it all in one excursion. In the Old Testament, we are reading the book of Jeremiah and his prophecies concerning the nations, and in the New Testament, we will be reading Paul's final words before he is executed for his faith. So let's get started with our Old Testament reading in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 48. Jeremiah, chapter 48, concerning Moab. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Woe to Nebo, for it is laid waste. Kiriathayim is put to shame, it is taken. The fortress is put to shame and broken down. The renown of Moab is no more. In Heshbon they planned disaster against her. Come, let us cut her off from being a nation. You also, O madmen, shall be brought to silence. The sword shall pursue you. A voice, a cry, from Horonaim, desolation and great destruction. Moab is destroyed. Her little ones have made a cry. For at the ascent of Luhith they go up weeping. For at the descent of Horonaim they have heard the distressed cry of destruction. Flee, save yourselves. You will be like a juniper in the desert. For because you trusted in your works and your treasures, you also shall be taken, and Chemosh shall go into exile with his priests and his officials. The destroyer shall come upon every city, and no city shall escape. The valley shall perish, and the plain shall be destroyed, as the Lord has spoken. Give wings to Moab, for she would fly away. Her cities shall become a desolation, with no inhabitant in them. Cursed is he who does the work of the Lord with slackness, and cursed is he who keeps back his sword from bloodshed. Moab has been at ease from his youth and has settled on his dregs. He has not been emptied from vessel to vessel, nor has he gone into exile, so his taste remains in him, and his scent is not changed. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I shall send to him pourers who will pour him, and empty his vessels, and break his jars in pieces. Then Moab shall be ashamed of Chemosh, as the house of Israel was ashamed of Bethel, their confidence. How do you say we are heroes and mighty men of war? The destroyer of Moab and his cities has come up, and the choicest of his young men have gone down to slaughter, declares the Lord, whose name is the Lord of hosts. The calamity of Moab is near at hand, and his affliction hastens swiftly. Grieve for him, all you who are around him, and all who know his name, and say, How the mighty scepter is broken, the glorious staff! Come down from your glory, and sit on the parched ground, O inhabitant of Dibon. For the destroyer of Moab has come up against you. He has destroyed your strongholds. Stand by the way and watch, O inhabitant of Aroer. Ask him who flees and her who escapes. Say, What has happened? 
Moab is put to shame, for it is broken, wail and cry. Tell it beside the Arnon, that Moab is laid waste. Judgment has come upon the tableland, upon Holon and Jaza, and Mephath, and Dibon, and Nepo, and Beth Diblathaim, and Kiriathaim, and Beth Gamul, and Beth Meon, and Kiriath, and Basra, and all the cities of the land of Moab far and near. The horn of Moab is cut off, and his arm is broken, declares the Lord. Make him drunk, because he magnified himself against the Lord, so that Moab shall wallow in his vomit, and he too shall be held in derision. Was not Israel a derision to you? Was he found among thieves, that whenever you spoke of him you wagged your head? Leave the cities and dwell in the rock, O inhabitants of Moab. Be like the dove that nests in the sides of the mouth of a gorge. We have heard of the pride of Moab. He is very proud of his loftiness, his pride, and his arrogance, and the haughtiness of his heart. I know his insolence, declares the Lord. His boasts are false, his deeds are false. Therefore I wail for Moab, I cry out for all Moab. For the men of Kir Haraseth I mourn. More than for Jazer I weep for you, O vine of Sibma. Your branches passed over the sea, reached to the sea of Jazer and your summer fruits and your grapes, the destroyer has fallen. Gladness and joy have been taken away from the fruitful land of Moab. I have made the wine cease from the wine presses. No one treads them with shouts of joy. The shouting is not the shout of joy. From the outcry at Heshbon, even to Eliale, as far as Jahaz, they utter their voice. From Zoar to Horanaim and Eglath Shalishia. For the waters of Nimrim also have become desolate. And I will bring an end in Moab, declares the Lord, him who offers sacrifice in the high place and makes offerings to his God. Therefore my heart moans for Moab like a flute, and my heart moans like a flute for the men of Kir Haraseth. Therefore the riches they gained have perished. For every head is shaved and every beard cut off. On all the hands are gashes, and around the waist is sackcloth. On all the housetops of Moab and in the squares there is nothing but lamentation, for I have broken Moab like a vessel for which no one cares, declares the Lord. How it is broken! How they wail! How Moab has turned his back in shame! So Moab has become a derision and a horror to all that are around him. For thus says the Lord, Behold, one shall fly swiftly like an eagle, and spread his wings against Moab. The cities shall be taken, and the strongholds seized. The heart of the warriors of Moab shall be in that day like the heart of a woman in her birth pains. Moab shall be destroyed and be no longer a people, because he magnified himself against the Lord. Terror, pit, and snare are before you, O inhabitant of Moab, declares the Lord. He who flees from the terror shall fall into the pit, and he who climbs out of the pit shall be caught in the snare. For I will bring these things upon Moab, the year of their punishment, declares the Lord. In the shadow of Heshbon fugitives stop without strength, for fire came out of Heshbon, flame from the house of Sihon. It has destroyed the forehead of Moab, the crown of the sons of Tumult. Woe to you, O Moab! The people of Chemosh are undone, for your sons have been taken captive, and your daughters into captivity. 
yet I will restore the fortunes of Moab in the latter days, declares the Lord. Thus far is the judgment on Moab. Chapter 49 Concerning the Ammonites Thus says the Lord, Has Israel no sons? Has he no heir? Why then has Milcom dispossessed Gad, and his people settled in its cities? Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will cause the battle cry to be heard against Rabbah of the Ammonites. It shall become a desolate mound, and its villages shall be burned with fire. Then Israel shall dispossess those who dispossessed him, says the Lord. Wail, O Heshbon, for Ai is laid waste. Cry out, O daughters of Rabbah, put on sackcloth, lament, and run to and fro among the hedges. For Milcom shall go into exile with his priests and his officials. Why do you boast of your valleys, O faithless daughter, who trusted in her treasures, saying, Who will come against me? Behold, I will bring terror upon you, declares the Lord God of hosts, for all who are around you, and you shall be driven out, every man straight before him, with none to gather the fugitives. But afterward I will restore the fortunes of the Ammonites, declares the Lord. Judgment on Edom Concerning Edom, thus says the Lord of hosts, Is wisdom no more in Teman? Has counsel perished from the prudent? Has their wisdom vanished? Flee, turn back, dwell in the depths, O inhabitants of Dedan. For I will bring the calamity of Esau upon him, the time when I punish him. If grape-gatherers came to you, would they not leave gleanings? If thieves came by night, would they not destroy only enough for themselves? But I have stripped Esau bare, I have uncovered his hiding-places, and he is not able to conceal himself. His children are destroyed, and his brothers and his neighbors, and he is no more. Leave your fatherless children, I will keep them alive, and let your widows trust in me. For thus says the Lord, If those who did not deserve to drink the cup must drink it, will you go unpunished? You shall not go unpunished, but you must drink. For I have sworn by myself, declares the Lord, that Basra shall become a horror, a taunt, a waste, and a curse, and all her cities shall be perpetual wastes. I have heard a message from the Lord, and an envoy has been sent among the nations. Gather yourselves together and come against her, and rise up for battle. For behold, I will make you small among the nations, despised among mankind. The horror you inspire has deceived you, and the pride of your heart, you who live in the clefts of the rock, who hold the height of the hill. Though you make your nest as high as the eagles, I will bring you down from there, declares the Lord. Edom shall become a horror. Everyone who passes by it will be horrified, and will hiss because of all its disasters. As when Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring cities were overthrown, says the Lord, no man shall dwell there, no man shall sojourn in her. Behold, like a lion coming up from the jungle of the Jordan against a perennial pasture, I will suddenly make him run away from her. I will appoint over her whomever I choose, for who is like me? Who will summon me? What shepherd can stand before me? Therefore hear the plan that the Lord has made against Edom and the purposes that he has formed against the inhabitants of Teman. Even the little ones of the flock shall be dragged away. Surely their fold shall be appalled at their fate. 
At the sound of their fall, the earth shall tremble. The sound of their cry shall be heard at the Red Sea. Behold, one shall mount up and fly swiftly like an eagle and spread his wings against Basra. And the heart of the warriors of Edom shall be in that day like the heart of a woman in her birth pains. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament from the prophecies of Jeremiah. Now let's take a few moments to reflect. Jeremiah prophesies woes to the Moabites, Ammonites, and Edomites. Woe is a biblical term for announcing deep suffering from affliction, calamity, or ruinous trouble. Like Jerusalem of Judah, the proud cities of Moab will be brought low with destruction by the Babylonians. Her crying will be heard as far away as Zoar, a city on the southeast side of the Dead Sea, far from Moab's mountains on the northeast side. Moab will be judged for trusting in its wealth and skill and its idolatrous worship of the false deity, the pagan god Chemosh, which involved child sacrifice. The vengeance brought about in Moab's destruction was the work of the Lord. In Jeremiah chapter 48, verse 10, Moab was known for its vineyards and wine production. God finds it necessary to purify Moab with judgment in a way that is similar to purification of wine. The dregs of idolatry must be exposed. The impurities must be removed. Heavy chastisement requires that vessels must be poured out and destroyed. Chapter 48, verse 12. And Moab will be ashamed of Chemosh, as the house of Israel was ashamed of Bethel, their confidence. Jeremiah 48, verse 13. Moab once boasted of its heroes of wisdom and skill, the way the natural man boasts in his strength and wisdom. Jesus warns, the flesh profits nothing. Its superficial glory is like grass. It withers, fades, and is easily crushed. Moab has shown scorn to Israel. She rejoiced in Jerusalem's destruction. Her disdain for the city of God did not go unnoticed. Now a similar calamity was coming her way. God would use Nebuchadnezzar, the destroyer, to judge Moab. However, the Lord does not take delight in Jerusalem's destruction, nor Moab's. Therefore I will wail for Moab, even for all Moab will I cry out. I will moan for the men of Kir Harris. Jeremiah chapter 48 verse 31 Once again, the oil of joy is replaced with mourning. Chapter 48 verse 33 Beauty with Ashes on all the housetops of Moab and in its streets there is lamentation everywhere, for I have broken Moab like an undesirable vessel, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 48, verse 38. However, God promises that in the latter days the Lord will reestablish Moab and restore her fortunes. Chapter 48, verse 42. Yet I will restore the fortunes of Moab in the latter days, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 48, verse 47a. Jeremiah prophesies against Ammon in chapter 49. Once Jerusalem is destroyed, Ammonites, living east of the Jordan, come to take territory by occupying the city of the Jews. The territory, once belonging to Gad, is overtaken by worshippers of Molech, Milcom, the god to whom child sacrifices were tragically offered in Judah. See Jeremiah chapter 32 verse 35 and 2 Kings chapter 23 verse 10. Rabbah is the capital of Ammon. The inhabitants are told of their imminent destruction. It will become a mound of ruins. In the future, Israelites will drive out those who drove them out. In Jeremiah chapter 49, verse 2. 
Jeremiah prophesies against Edom in Jeremiah 49 verses 7 through 22. Edom was located south of Moab and the Dead Sea. Teman, a town in the north of Edom, was the hometown of Job's friend Eliphaz. Apparently, those from Edom and Teman in particular were known for their wisdom in chapter 49 verse 7. Esau, the name of the brother of the patriarch Jacob, was another name for Edom because the Edomites were Esau's descendants. The Babylonians would strip Edom bare of all it once took pride in. Unlike the Moabites, who could hide in the caves of Petra, the Edomites would have no place to hide from its invaders. However, a word of mercy is given to the vulnerable. Leave your orphans behind, I will keep them alive, and let your widows trust in me. Jeremiah chapter 49, verse 11. Now let's move on to today's New Testament reading. Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapter 4, verses 1 through 22. Preach the Word. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the Word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm, the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory for ever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Anesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill, at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. 
And this concludes our reading from the New Testament portion, and it concludes Paul's second letter to Timothy. These are the last written words from the Apostle Paul. We are right to give weight of emphasis to them. He charges Timothy with the utmost solemnity to be strong in the ministry of the Word. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Paul makes it clear that our preaching should not be conditioned upon how we feel or how our hearers may respond. Our ministry is not to tickle people's ears with feel-good messages. Preaching should challenge people. It afflicts the comfortable and comforts the afflicted. Paul is living with the end in view. He knows not only that he will soon be executed by the Roman authorities, but that he will be appearing before his God and Savior who will examine his works. Preaching is the primary tool of witness. Nothing can take its place in the ministry of the church. It is God's chief means of edification, exhortation, instruction, and equipping. It is essential to pastoral ministry. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Paul warns of a coming day that we are already familiar with in the 21st century. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. In addition to a steady flow of teaching, the entire church should be involved some way in the work of evangelism. Chapter 4, verse 5. It is not easy. We must endure hardship and keep our head in all situations. Paul describes his death as a scheduled departure. For every scheduled departure, there is a scheduled arrival. As Paul pours his life out to the last drop in worshipful service to God, he has the bema seat judgment and his future reward in view. He is mindful that it is all of grace and that his reward will be shared by all those who look forward to the return of Christ. Paul's final words disclose how his affections were bound to those with whom he had labored throughout the years. Some had brought him grief. Demas deserted Paul. He had been one of his co-workers in Colossians chapter 4 verse 14 and Philemon chapter 1 verse 24. His motives were clear. He loved this present age. He was having an affair with the world system and living for its values, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. 1 John chapter 2 verse 16. Paul was feeling the physical absence of his friends, even though they were very much in his heart. Crescens had gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, and Tychicus to Ephesus. Only Luke, the physician, who had accompanied him on his later missionary journeys, remained with him. Remember John Mark? The relative of Barnabas had caused Paul such grief on the first missionary journey that Paul insisted that he not travel with them again. Since that time, 
Paul has had a change of heart. Now he sees John Mark as a vital asset to the church and a much appreciated minister of the gospel and friend. He would be the author of the third gospel, the gospel of Mark. He asked Timothy to come visit him before winter when ships no longer sail the Mediterranean because of adverse weather. He hopes Timothy can bring his cloak, the scrolls, and the parchments. This letter gives us some hints as to how the readers should be praying for Paul. He has been persecuted. He is not afraid to name his attacker. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14 Timothy should not be ignorant of this dangerous man who has been such a destructive influence on the church. Paul describes his trial and his disappointment that no man stood with him in his defense. However, he has had some vision correction. He took courage in the fact that the Lord stood with him as his eternal defense. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory for ever and ever. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. Paul closes his letter with references to some familiar names of those whom we have met in previous readings in the New Testament. Paul asks Timothy to greet Priscilla and Aquila, a tent-making couple, whom Paul originally met in Corinth in Acts chapter 18, and who also became important ministers in the church in Ephesus and Rome in Acts chapter 18 and Romans chapter 16 verse 3 and 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 19. We met Onesiphorus in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 16. Trophimus was a friend of Tychicus and a dear friend of the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20 verse 4. The fact that Paul left Trophimus at Miletus to recover from his illness demonstrates that not all whom the apostles prayed for were miraculously and instantly healed. Trophimus was the Ephesian Gentile who got Paul into trouble. His presence in Jerusalem caused a riot. People assumed that Paul was taking him into the temple and thereby defiling it. Acts chapter 21, verses 28 through 29. Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour to the Bible song book and prayer book, the book of Psalms, and we will be reading Psalm 95, verse 1, all the way through to chapter 96, Psalm 96, verse 13. Let us sing songs of praise. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massah in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test, and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For forty days I loathed that generation and said, They are a people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. 
Therefore I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Psalm 96 Worship in the Splendor of Holiness O sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name, tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Say among the nations, The Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar, and all that fills it. Let the field exult, and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For He comes, for He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness, and the peoples in His faithfulness. And this concludes our reading from the Psalms, Psalm 95 and Psalm 96. The reading from Psalms 95 and 96 call us to wholehearted worship. We are called to worship the Lord with joyful thanksgiving. We are to sing, declare, and shout our praises. This is not a private, quiet affair. It is a call to corporate worship. Together we are called to ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Psalm 96 verse 7 We are to proclaim His mighty works of creation and redemption. We declare His glory among the nations and His marvelous deeds among all people groups. This is public worship. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Notice how corporate worship engages all our being. Our bodies bow, stand, tremble, and are set in a direction of drawing near with full attention given to His worthiness. For the Lord is the great God. All other gods are man-made idols, conjured up by the minds of those who suppress the true knowledge of God in unrighteousness. Romans chapter 1 verse 18. The psalmist recognizes that this great God who has made himself known through his word is the creator of heaven and earth and will judge the world with equity. In Psalm 96 verse 11 and in righteousness in Psalm 96 verse 13. Before the Lord, for he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth, he will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Psalm 96, verse 13. God clarifies his covenant relationship with his people, defining the terms. He is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Do you know your shepherd? Do you belong to his flock? Have you been born of the Spirit? And do you have his witness? that you belong to the one who laid down his life for his flock? We all like sheep have gone astray and turned to our own way. But the Lord made our shepherd the sacrificial lamb to shed his blood to satisfy justice, acquit us of guilt, and reconcile us to himself. We must now respond to the shepherd's voice and come to him with penitent faith. 
the psalmist pleads with people who hear the word to respond to the word with faith. His words are repeated in the book of Hebrews, where the writer affirms that they are the words of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7-11 through 11 read, Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me, and saw my works for forty years. Therefore I was angry with this generation, and said, They always go astray in their hearts, and they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. The writer of Hebrews sums up the importance of believing the gospel. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Now for our final stop on our Bible reading tour, we go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 26, verses 9 through 12. Like a thorn that goes up into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like an archer who wounds everyone is one who hires a passing fool or drunkard. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. A fool is unfit to handle a proverb. He's liable to get hurt, as is a drunken man handling a thorn. If we do not use wisdom and discernment and hire employees indiscriminately, we are to blame if many people are hurt as a consequence. If we don't learn from our mistakes, we are likely to make them again making ourselves sick. There will always be fools, but those who are worse than fools are those who don't recognize they are foolish. Now let's take what we've learned before the Lord in prayer. You are the great God, the creator of heaven and earth, our Father and our King. There is none who compares with you. Your mercy has called us out of darkness into your marvelous light by the power of the gospel. We praise you with our lips and by yielding our lives to do your will through the enabling work of your Spirit within us. Help us to be steadfast in our proclamation of your word and ministry to the saints and the lost. Show us our part in the work of evangelism. Give us wisdom as we seek to be good stewards of the gifts, talents, material, and spiritual blessings that we have received. We ask you to open doors for the ministry of the body of Christ and help us to make the most of every opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, we've covered a lot of territory in our Bible reading today, and God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow. If you have any questions or comments, you can always write us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you'd like a written copy of our commentary on each day's writing, you can subscribe to a daily email at our website, newlife.org. So until next time, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Shalom. Shalom.